there. Welcome to Biblical Chili. Why don't you follow me and I'll help you find a place to take that load off. The Chili Crew is just about to start. If you've been here before, well, welcome back. But if this is your first time, let me fill you in on how things work around here. You see, we speak openly about the Bible and our daily walk with Christ. And it's our continuing prayer that everyone that walks through those doors grows a little closer to Jesus every day. And just let me say, you came at a great time, too. We're taking a weekly walk through the Bible, one story at a time, from Genesis to Revelation. And after this is all over, if you like what you heard, on the way out, there's a button called subscribe. It's red and it's got a little bell next to it. Oh, and tell your friends. Oh, 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 here we go. Here's a nice seat right up front for you. Now you sit down and get comfortable. I'd like to sit here and talk to you and get to know you better, but that was the dough. I got to go. Those youngsters better get the lead out. This crowd's ready to go. I'll be right over there. Didn't realize the restaurant would be this busy today. I'm coming, I'm coming. Welcome to the Order up. Also, I mean, can I also emphasize if, which I, I, I don't doubt that m many of these are probably have some prophetic element to it. Th the funny thing about prophecy is the people of the time will not understand them because that's the definition. Like that's the point in prophecy. You're not supposed to understand it. The people that are in the middle of it are supposed to understand it and it's supposed to be a warning to them for that time, you know? So even if there are prophetic elements in this, I almost feel like this is just a forerunner. Some of it, uh, maybe not all of it, but some of it is just a forerunner for like Joshua when he was splitting up the lands, you know, all, all the way in the book of Joshua, possibly, possibly. Uh, when you look forward to Jesus and the the apostles, they they thought that theirs were was the last generation. They thought yeah. that they would be the last generation Jesus would come back during their lifetime. And it's interesting to note that every single generation has some kind of evidence of thinking that theirs is the last by some group of people. Yeah. Well, and that, that's what I, that's what I'm saying about prophecy. It's, it's, it's hard. Cause you, I mean, I, I'm sorry. Jesus said it, I think perfectly where he said, no man knows the day nor the hour. Only my father in heaven. What about that one street guy on the corner that says today is the end. Oh, the one with the sign over there. Yeah. <laughs> that guy. That guy. Issachar is a raw owned donkey lying down between two saddlebags. When he sees how good is, is his resting place and how pleasant is his land, he will bend his shoulders to the burden and submit to forced labor. Ooh. Do they become slaves? I was just going to say that. Yeah, I wonder if they were just... Um, 1232. I'm going to look that up. You know, they were just content. But... Because it seems interesting. It seems like he's saying good things. Like, you're, you're a strong donkey, which is actually kind of a compliment. And you saw that the resting place was good. The land was pleasant. He bowed his shoulder to bear burdens and became a slave. <laughs> so. The, um, the King James Version says, 
um, that he was that he saw that his rest was good and that the land was pleasant and he bowed his shoulder to bear and became a servant unto tribute. I don't know if that means anything different. I feel like this is hard to like know what it means because there's really isn't a whole lot in scripture about Issachar at all. Like it doesn't really say that much about them. <laughs> so I don't know how to see like how this played out. Nope, I got I got nothing. I got nothing. I can't find anything on these guys. Like that yeah, short, sweet to the point, I guess. Dan will provide justice for his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan will be a serpent by the roadside, a viper along the path that bites the horse's heels so that its rider tumbles backwards. Uh, 18 actually says, I've waited for your salvation, O Lord. I don't know if that's connected to it or not. Yeah, that one's interesting because it all seems really positive too, maybe. Well, well, no, it says he's a serpent no. by the roadside. I mean, that doesn't right. sound really positive. Okay, because the first part says he'll judge his people. He'll be, as yeah, he'll be a judge. Israel, yeah. You know, one of the only descendants we really hear of from Dan is Samson, the really strong guy. And he was one of the 12 judges mentioned. So it's like, literally, you know, maybe they were judges. But then later, Revelation, when it mentions the 12 tribes of Israel, Dan is just left out. That he's, I know later on in, in scripture, doesn't, isn't, isn't the tribe of Dan one of the lost tribes because of something they did? Right. But like, so was, so was Ephraim. So are all of them that are scattered, but like God always kind of, it's, it's very confusing because even though all of these tribes are scattered and were punished and, you know, to the point where God at first is like, I'm, you're going to totally die out and never, you know, cease to exist. Like if you, I think it's maybe Hosea where he's like going through this with Ephraim, but then he's like, actually, I could never do this to you. Like, I promise you all that you are all going to have an inheritance. And, and I've, I love you. And I've watched you grow up. I, you know, held you by the hand as I've walked you through all these things. Like, I can't just forget you forever. So this is just for a time. But then like at the very end in Revelation, like Dan is just not there. So it seems kind of weird. Because even though he may have been bad, like it seems like he should still be back by then. It does talk about, in terms of biting the horse's heels, it says that Samson did single-handedly hold the Philistines at bay. I don't know really what that means, but... Yeah, because Samson, well, it wasn't just a bad, it was many, many, many times. Oh, Samson, yeah. he, he took on the Philistines literally single-handedly every single time and he prevailed every time except for one but that was when he was deceived and yada 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 uh whole another story for another time kids <laughs> his story is not all that wonderful the only thing i remember about dan is that they um kind of set up idols and like assigned priests to it and they like their city was kind of very like pagan worshipy um, for a long time. And then it seems like they just kind of slowly diminished their size and their um, genealogies and stuff just kind of kept getting smaller. But even though that like they are excluded from like the tribal list in Revelation, I, it seems like that can't mean that they're like extinct for all time because at the end of Ezekiel, like the very end of Ezekiel when it kind of talks about the millennial kingdom and the reign of Christ and all that stuff. Like Dan does 
receive an inheritance then. I'm reading here, and it, this makes sense. I remember this. Uh, Ephraim is also not mentioned in Revelation. And Dan and Ephraim apparently were two of the tribes that never seemed to repent from their idolatrous ways. Joseph is mentioned in Revelation, which mm-hmm. there was never a tribe of Joseph. There's only Ephraim and Manasseh right. under Joseph. So it's like Joseph was mentioned. It seems like that just kind of covers like it, it like covers Ephraim's slot. Like like to keep the the twelve symbolism numbers the same, you know. They're I like, think so. Oh, yeah, we, yeah. Have these two. we have to use just this one. <laughs> we only got ten tribes left, guys. We're gonna have to slide some names in here. Cont- oh, Gad is small. Go ahead. Gad will be attacked by a band of raiders, but he will attack them at their heels. Hey, Gad is mentioned in Revelation. <laughs> right. <laughs> But they're they're not. It all it says is though like, they were just, they shall triumph at last. Wow. Hey, that's a positive one. We got our bums kicked, but we we eventually made it in the end. Go go ahead and read uh twenty. Asher's food will be rich. He will provide delicacies fit for a king. He was a good cook. I like that one. <laughs> I like that one too. You are a good cook, Caleb. <laughs> My mine says uh. Mine says, uh, he shall yield royal dainties, or dainties, I think. His bread shall be fat. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So he made really good cake, apparently, or or rolls. (laughs) So so when they were wandering around in the wilderness in Exodus, guess whose tent had the best cakes? Uh, Go ahead and read Naphtali. And Naphtali is a doe set free that bears beautiful fawns. It's a huh. tribe tribe of pretty ladies. Mine says something different. Yeah, mine does too. Mine, okay, so go ahead and read yours. Nepal is hidden, left, loose. He gives goodness words. Mine says Naphtali is a deer let loose. He uses beautiful words. No, he this one says gives beautiful words, and I don't see anything about a deer. I see a hide let loose. A hide? Yeah, H I H I N D. Yeah. It says here that it could be a reference to them having an independent spirit fostered in the in their descendants because they are in an isolated location. Uh, in the hill country north of the Sea of Galilee. They, they were hippies. That was really weird. Right. So, like, the note that I made on them is, I mean, it seems like this must right. be a good thing, even though that doesn't really make sense. The Nephtali's territory is what later became the land of Galilee, which is where Jesus actually recruited, like, most of his disciples. Seems like they were kind of somehow more open to the truth out of all the Israelites, you know, so many rejected Jesus. And I think Isaiah talks about Naphtali being seen as receiving like a great light. So, you know, like Jesus kind of talks about, you know, the light. And um, so, yeah, he got most of his disciples from there and Naphtali was going to receive a great light. Like they're going to receive a lot of truth and spread it around. Oh, this makes more sense now. Look at the map. Simeon 
apparently was given land, but the land was inside of Judah. That would make more sense of why they were absorbed into Judah. Like from a, from a, you know, a, would that be a political standpoint or I don't know. Like Simeon was prone to misbehaving and they're like, big brother Judah needs to keep an eye (laughs) on you from all directions. Right. That's awesome. (laughs) Reuben Benjamin. Okay. So let's keep going. Let's keep going. Verse 22. Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring whose branches climb over a wall. With bitterness, archers attacked him. They shot at him with hostility, but the but his bow remained steady. His strong arms stayed limber because of the hand of the mighty one of Jacob, because of the shepherd, the rock of Israel, because of your father's God who helped you, because of the Almighty who blesses you. With blessings of the heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies below, blessings of the breast and womb, your father's blessings are greater than the blessings of the ancient mountains, than the bounty of the age-old hills, let all of those rest on the head of Joseph, on the brows of the prince among his brothers. That sounds more like a blessing to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Sounds yeah. like a great blessing. You got the good one. Well, it says the fact that he actually, the way I look at it, he took the household because now they have to look up to him. They're all on the breast of him. Well, I mean, can I, can I say, okay, with his current position... As you know, the 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 second leader, pharaoh. yeah, the the second pharaoh, right? The leader, basically, of Egypt. Would it have been any other way? Not really. I don't. I don't think so. I, even though, even though I understand, like God was basically the one that that helped him get into this position and all that, and his brother selling him, and you know, this all the circumstantial thing. But it it seems like, it, even if let's say. Reuben took the head of the household. Joseph would still be the head of everything. Like, what is Reuben going to do? You know, deny his his baby brother? Right. He's he's the leader of the land. Do you understand what I mean? Like, I don't think any any good would have come out of giving the birthright to anybody else, or or the the headship or or whatever. Right. I mean, what do you, what do you guys think? Because it do, this one just doesn't sound prophetic. It sounds like. You know, when he's talking about his bow and there were people shooting at you, but nothing happened and all this stuff. I think he's talking about his brothers. I think it's less of a prophecy, more of just saying that you're getting this because of what happened to you. Oh, Oh, well, well, no, I don't know, because the thing is, is Israel always had a soft spot for his wife. Yet she only gave birth to Joseph and... Benjamin and Joseph and Benjamin were his favorite. He played favorites. Oh, and they, we, as we saw in the story, they all dead in the stories. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I think this speaks to um, to to the to the yes and of the situation where um, these words are being spoken about the the character of the person in the present tense, as well as what is to come so when you look at what's being said of joseph there if if what if he's speaking to what the content is of joseph it's not coming across as as prophetic as um some of the others 
there's a constant nature to that because you see how he's addressing what is and is to come. Why would that suddenly change when he starts to talk about Joseph? So that speaks to still what is and is to come, but that doesn't mean that it has to change. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning he devours the prey, in the evening he divides the plunder. All these are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is what their father said to them when he blessed them, giving each the blessing appropriate to him. <laughs> it doesn't sound like some of these are all blessings. Yeah, see, I feel like this has what's to prove that he's really speaking so prophetically because, you know, he loved Benjamin and cherished and guarded and looked after him, yet he's saying, you know, you're going to be vicious and merciful, a predator, a wolf, like kind of all bad things. So I feel like that must kind of pain him to have to say that because he just loves Benjamin so much. And I think in Revelation, Benjamin was mentioned as one of the tribes. It was. It's only Dan and Ephraim that are that right are out. Yeah, but the little map you just threw up, Dan is actually kind of small. Even towards Simonia inside, Dan is small. Dan is in the pink. Oh, that little one right there. Yeah, like it's actually one of the smaller ones. Yeah. Of course, Benjamin, um, you know, became absorbed into the tribe of Judah, like, it, you know, it, they be into the house of Judah. And when um, Jesus came back, you know, all the Jews were kind of either Judahites or Benjaminites. And you can see how they treated Jesus. Not well. I mean, they sold off his older father. I mean, come on. So it, although if if these prophecies have anything to do with character or uh, soon to come situations in Benjamin's life, it seems like Benjamin may be one of those guys. I, I almost want to say that he's got a chip on his shoulder. Well, maybe being the baby, he was a little spoiled and entitled and felt like he deserved everything and became a little vicious. <laughs> he had youngest the baby child syndrome. You know, I almost wonder, and I know this is a side note, but I almost wonder if Joseph played that favoritism with Benjamin. Like, I almost wonder if Joseph took Benjamin in personally after dad died, because Benjamin was, was by the time dad died, because Benjamin, what did we find out? Benjamin might have been 12. Right. Maybe 12 years old by the time he, he you know, and I think, I think, Susanna, you mentioned this in it, like, he Joseph, the last time he saw his little brother was when he was maybe two years old. You know, Benjamin might have been two years old by that time. And then, you know, he didn't see him until almost 10 years later or so. And and then now all of a sudden he's just a 12-year-old little punk. <laughs> yeah, and when he invites them all to dinner, you know, he gives Benjamin five, five times the amount of food. So he's already spoiling him. <laughs> so maybe the favoritism did, did seep in a little bit. Yeah. So overall, when it comes to this whole blessings and uh, it calls it blessings, so I'll just say I'll just say blessings. So when it comes to all of these blessings overall, what what's what's the overall impression in the can I, purpose in this? In this being in scripture, what would this have helped 
either people back then or people now? I mean, I think that um, it was kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like if you think, you know, that this is going to happen, this is what your, this is what your future is going to be. Cause even right from here, like the tribes instantly kind of had cliques and arguments and some didn't like each other. And it was, something just have to be said because God has his agenda that he wants to be, that he wants played out, you know? Yeah. And so he's kind of saying it. It's like, it's like the word. I mean, and not to say that he's speaking the word, you know, it's like God spoke the word into being and things happen. So here we see this prophecy of Jacob speaking something and then it's like <laughs> ends up happening, but it needs to happen because, you know, that's God's plan is for, tribes to be scattered and wars to happen and all this stuff to happen. Like it's still part of the plan. I think it also can come in handy today when trying to identify with where you stand with God and where you stand with, you know, everything that happens in the Bible. So you you could almost be reading this in a self-reflective way. Well, I also like to point out the fact that it's mostly cause and effect. You do something bad, you get this punishment it's kind of like Reuben should actually have the full inheritance, larger sh- share than everybody else. But oh, yeah. it's, he didn't look at the Levi and Simeon. Yeah, those Simeon. two. Well, that's what their inheritance was. And it's interesting. Jacob sees all of these perspectives from a father and from an earthly father perspective. Whereas what does God see over all of us as a Heavenly Father perspective? Right. And I, I almost wonder, in, in if, if I can answer my own question, with, with this self-reflectiveness and, and this almost you know self-fulfilling prophecy, like Susanna said, maybe this was God's way of warning these kids about the <laughs> next generations to come. Warning them and telling them, hey, listen... Simeon and Levi, da 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 da, da. Judah, da da da, da. Reuben, you're not gonna have power. You know, you know these type of things that are just small little warnings to say, hey, listen, perk up. Kind of like in the in the beginning of the book of Revelation, it talks about the uh, the different churches, uh, Church of Laodicea, and all the, all those other churches, right? And it has good things and bad things to say about all of them. So like, and it goes through, you know bad, bad things about this church, bad things, good and bad. And then one of them was, you know, actually a really good, this church is a great church, you know, and there's no bad thing about it. And then this church and this church, and it's kind of that comparative thing to kind of warn us when you're, when you're looking at that kind of stuff, either directly warn us or indirectly in this case, it'd be indirectly because we'd be reading it past tense. But I almost wonder if they were, if they read this and goes, uh, wow, yeah, Dad kind of, <laughs> Dad kind of hit it on the mark now, right? And I feel like that happens over and over again. Like in in Deuteronomy, you know, he kind of gives this whole prophecy similar to this, but not each tribe. Like, you know, I'm I'm giving you life and death. I'm giving you, you know, good and evil. Choose life, but I know you're not. I know you're not going to choose life. You're going to do this. You're going to do all these abominable things. I'm going to have to punish you. I'm going to scatter you, you know, but if you return to me, I'll bring you all back, you know, like, so even though he obviously doesn't want anyone to be disobedient or, or be the 
serpent waiting by the road, or I don't know, whatever those like things, those descriptions he gave. To piggyback off of that, this is not the only time where you see God speak in a sense and and words spoken in a sense, I should say, where there's a mix between perspective and prophecy, where God is providing a perspective to look at, hey, this is what's going to happen. But at the same token, he's saying, hey, this is what's coming in the future. And that's what ends up playing out. Right. He always says, this is what's coming in the future, but but you should not choose that. <laughs> yeah. Like, you should choose me instead, but, like, everyone chooses their own way instead every time. I know in Scripture it talks about the purpose and prophecy, and the primary purpose and prophecy is warning. That's 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 what it is. When you read about the, the prophecies in Jonah, it was warning. When you read about the prophecies in Jeremiah, it was warning. Right. You know, Isaiah, it was warning. It's 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 that. And like like you're just saying with, you know, make your choice, make your choice, you know, and that's what it was. That's what prophecy is about. And I think that's that's what this is entailing, even for us today, which you got you guys have all brought this up like like this can give us that warning to give us that heads up to say, Hey, listen, maybe we need to perk up about this. Maybe we need to take this seriously. Anna, would you like to close us out and pray? God, thank you so much for the biblical chili, for the opportunity to come and talk about you and learn more about you. God, thank you that we have a whole book, the Bible to come and learn how to live our lives better so that we can, glorify you better through them in jesus name amen well this has been justin this has been caleb this has been anna this has been sully this has been joe and this has been susanna all right we love you guys we will see you next week well hello everyone Now that this is all over, I hope you had a great time. Now listen, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I'm closing up. You can get a hold of them on something called Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, podcast. Podcast? What are they, fishing for whales? Listen, folks, just look up Biblical Chili anywhere. I'm sure you'll be able to find them out there. And until, Lord willing, we'll see you again. May the Lord bless you. Goodbye. still listening? I doubt it. There can't be that many people that listened all the way to the end of the track. Most of them probably skip it. But in case you did, congratulations. You're one of the few. We love you.